I'm late. I'm sorry. I've got life happening. So I had to deal. I had to put this off, but I can't put it off any longer. Joe Biden's accuser seems to have quite a bit more circumstantial evidence as a tape shows up showing that Tara Reid has been telling people about the alleged assault. Uh, And that tape came from CNN. Oh my God, bad news for them. The media keeps making the Wuhan virus into a race thing. That's okay, because it really helped me in the later in the morning. President Trump is getting sued, and the media is trying to hide why. I actually had to talk about to I actually had to talk to my immigrant girlfriend about this to see what I was missing. And I really didn't need to do that. All I needed to do was to read the end of the article. I would have known what the article was about. Leave it to Slate to give me a great laugh on a Sunday morning. And could someone enjoy something so much and it being so evil as a morning fart spreads COVID-19? Yeah, we're going to talk about weird stuff like this. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, life has happened. I've had to disappear. I'm probably going to disappear for about the next week. Um, it, it, there are things that are happening in my life that I need to deal with, and I'm sorry. Uh, I'd feel guilty, but I still work full-time. I still have life happening. So I'm not like Ben Shapiro or Andrew Clavin that are, that's all they have to do. They can work three hours a day. I, I don't. I, I work. So, but there are things happening so much that I can't skip them. So this may be a longer podcast. And the reason it's going to be a longer podcast is because I don't know when I will be back. I am pretty sure I'll be back Monday. And, but we don't know. So let's just not, I just shouldn't promise anything. Uh, I never really talked about this first story because these kind of reports usually come with no evidence. In fact, they don't, they come, they do not become news stories for decades and usually have absolutely no evidence. So I just basically ignore them until something bizarre happens or until they become so important that, you know what, we can't ignore the story anymore. But this story is not becoming a story has really ticked me off. Because now it's looking credible. It's looking like a story. It's looking like there are some questions we have to ask. So my big question is, where's everyone? Just to catch you up, uh, Tara Reid, an aide to Joe Biden, back at around 1993-1995, accused Sleepy Creepy Joe of sexual assault back, way back when she was there. Now, let's understand something. I, I, I don't talk much about 30-year-old sex assault accusations because... There needs to be something with them. For example, 
I didn't think much about sexual the I didn't think anything of sexual assault allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. I didn't think of them because there was a political reason for them. But here's the thing. The Joe Biden story, which I didn't really give a lot to. The Joe Biden story has grown and it's gotten really ugly for Joe Biden. And this is the problem. The problem is this accuser is becoming more and more credible and the media keeps hiding her. So let's point my reasoning out to CNN. When Brett Kavanaugh was accused of sexual assault and leading a gangbang rape ring, yeah, no, that's what he led. There was no evidence but the testimony of one person who was brought out by that the sleepy, creepy lawyer that has accused Trump of everything. Well, she wasn't obviously credible. Then came uh, Blazy Ford, Gloria, or whatever her name is. Blazy Ford came out, and she was claimed to be a credible witness. I never thought she was a credible witness. No one knew where this supposedly took place. No one knew what party she was talking about. People she pointed out said, I don't know what she's talking about. I can't verify it. Okay, so Christina, Kristen Blasey Ford, whatever her name is, not exactly the credible witness that the media made out. And by the way, Fox News made Blasey Ford into a credible witness. I did never thought she was a credible witness. CNN did 700 stories about Kavanaugh in the few months. 700. Up until now, nothing has been said about Sleepy Creepy Joe. First, I think we need to look at Reed's circumstantial evidence. And by the way, this is all circumstantial. If we do not have any physical evidence, we need to move on. None of everything I say right now means he's guilty. As a matter of fact, there's a good there's a good chance he's not guilty. Let's go from there. But that's not what I'm complaining about. I'm complaining about circumstantial evidence being made to make one guy look guilty or hearsay evidence, which is what Brett Kavanaugh was. People just said something. So Brett Kavanaugh must have been guilty. Versus circumstantial evidence, which, by the way, can get you convicted of murder. Let's take a look at what um, Reed's story. Her name is Tara Reed. Let's take a look at some of the things that has happened with Tara Reed. And then we'll talk about what I'm complaining about. First thing, Reed immediately quit Biden's campaign. And I was wrong when I wrote this. Reed didn't quit Biden's campaign. Biden's campaign fired Reed. So, and it wasn't Biden's campaign, by the way. It was Biden's staff. They fired her. She accused Biden of something. 
and the staff fired Reed. Okay, circumstantial at best. Reed filed a complaint with the Senate, and it fell on deaf ears. Um, whoa. Still circumstantial evidence, but that means that she actually did file something. That there might be a complaint out there about Biden that probably needs to be looked at or investigated. Third, Reed told her husband, she told her mother, she told family, she told friends, explaining why she was no longer working for the Biden set, uh, seat, uh, Biden uh, cabinet. Oh, Blasey Ford said she was sexually assaulted. At first, she didn't know by who. She didn't know anything. She just said she was sexually assaulted. She didn't say that Brett Kavanaugh did it. As a matter of fact, she had to be convinced that Brett Kavanaugh did it. Oh, let's move on. Four, Reed told all these people what happened and that it was Biden. She told what happened to her explicitly, which means, let's let's not confuse something. This was sexual assault. This was not, I tapped her on the butt, which is harassment. She did say it was just harassment. But when people read the story, it's actually sexual assault. And she told a lot of people, including her husband, and she told a lot of people it was Biden. Number five, friends and family of Reed said she told them. And they actually mentioned it to the media. And to this day, they are confirming it. Two people who are being named have confirmed that she said something. Now, is any of this physical evidence? Not yet. None of it is. Okay? Biden's not going to prison. Let's call it what it is. Finally, the last and number six, Reed still liked Biden enough that she never went to the press. She went to law enforcement. She actually reported it and didn't go to the press because she still liked Biden. She liked what he was about. Now, again, I've given you six pieces of information that are all circumstantial evidence. It doesn't mean anything. But CNN never said a word about it. CNN sucked it up for 25 days after this story leaked. The other press organizations mentioned it. No investigations. Well, CNN decided to have a report about this on April 25th. Now, as I'm recording, it's April 28th. Go figure. That's Saturday. Today is Tuesday. Two weeks after the story came out. So why all of a sudden has CNN found God? Not because they're the ethical reporting standards of the news media. 
and they've suddenly become enlightened that this might be a story. But because Reed's mother called in to the Larry King show back in 1993, which was aired on what station? CNN. Just listen. San Luis Obispo, California. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering what um, uh, a, a staffer uh, would to do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. This puts CNN in a real bad position. And what is terrible, outside the fact that uh, um, Larry King can't pronounce, uh, pronounce San Luis Obispo, is that they've had this in their archive for 25 years and they didn't know anything about it. And it took an outside news source to find it. The woman on the phone happened to be her mother and she admitted that she had called into Larry the Larry King show and no one's done anything about it and CNN just decided to report this issue back on the 26th of April which was just last just a few days ago so suddenly they've been called in they've been called out CNN has finally reported it on the 26th and now it looks like whether they like it or not, whether the news media likes it or not, this is now going to become a story. And what's getting worse is as the days pass, and we're talking since the 26th, it's the 29th as I'm recording this, there have been already two other people that have said, yes, they heard about this back in 93, but um, Reed did not want to make a big stink out of it. She called it just sexual harassment, though... Her story is basically assault. It's rape. So good job, news media. And things are going to get uglier for the Democrats because here's a little video clip on how the women who are the potential VP running mates of Joe Biden are actually responding to Joe Biden. I watched that hearing last Thursday. And I believe Dr. Ford. I believe Dr. Ford. I thought she was credible. I believe her. Her, her, her story is credible. It comes down to credibility, to your point, Gail. And it's going to be about uh, listening to what each party has to say. But I believe her. I was proud of Dr. Blasey Ford's response and her demeanor, but more importantly, her, her courage in stepping forward. We must first and foremost protect and support the alleged victim as they come forward. This is a very difficult thing that she is doing and I applaud her for her courage. Anybody who comes forward at this point, that takes an extraordinary amount of courage. There is no doubt in my mind, Harris, that Dr. Ford was a credible witness. Honesty, her integrity, her truth, it, it's obvious. A credible, credible woman coming from Dr. Ford coming forward and courageous enough to come forward without any benefit to her. She has nothing to gain. So what Senator, does she have give, to gain? The victims are blamed often and they're not believed and that's why they're reluctant to come forward. I think we all know when something is unfair, when something smells, and we all know this. I believe her. She is credible. She should be heard. And this Senate should treat her with respect and dignity that she deserves. But I, I believe her. 
you know, she's pretty specific about the the, the structure of the house where it happened. She's Senator, you spoke no, I've with read, her? No, no, I've read the letter. And let me ask you I've this, Senator. The okay, so I lied. It was actually about what these candidates, and I'm doing the air quotes thing, were saying about uh, Brett Kavanaugh. But not one of those candidates has said anything about Joe Biden. Absolutely none. So I think we need to change the hashtag Me Too movement to hashtag Me Too unless it was because of a Democratic candidate that sexually assaulted me because we cannot accuse Democratic candidates of ever doing anything wrong. Might be a little long, but I'm just saying. I think that one would work too. So the next story comes out of the Los Angeles Times. And the Los Angeles Times was talking about uh, basically race and how the Wuhan flu picks on Hispanics and blacks far more than it will pick on white people. That's great. It's kind of an amazing thing. Uh, When Trump called the virus the Chinese flu, basing this statement as a condemnation of the government of China, not the Chinese people, and basing it on the fact that it came from China, he was called a racist. Let's remember, the Chinese people suffered from the disease and are forced into social distancing policies, which means they're put in their homes, and if they leave their homes, whether they have food, toilet paper, which I think is an unheard of thing in China, or uh, paper towels or anything that they might need, that's too bad. They'll be shot or arrested. Well, probably arrested, then shot. This is the Chinese government that actually killed the doctors that said, this flu is serious. Well, they killed one of them. The second one, we don't know where she ended up. Well, the Chinese apparently are still suffering. The Chinese government has closed again the wet markets. They've closed restaurants. So all this garbage that you hear about China only having, you know, 3,000 people dead and the United States having 20,000, it's a load of horse garbage. It is just crap. China is suffering. They probably have more dead than we do. We'll just never hear about it. The Los Angeles Times released an article stating that more black and Hispanic people are dying between the ages of 18 and 64. Now, my girlfriend and I actually had a discussion about this. So I I bought the L.A. Times. I kid you not, I actually bought the L.A. Times and read it. Uh, Recent deaths also reveal a major role of underlying health conditions, such as... uh, within the communities, within the black and Hispanic communities, such as heart disease, obesity, diabetes, and asthma. And those problems have actually amplified the uh, effect of the virus. Now, there was this doctor who was interviewed named Dr. Sonia Engel. And she had some interesting comments about this. Now, I want you to listen. I'm just going to read out what she says. And then we can go from there. Quote, none of us knew what the numbers would look like, but we know that that it is going to disproportionately affect communities that have fewer resources, higher numbers of underlying disease. 
That's the reality of inequities in our country. Big, big point there. It's something that we're working very hard to address. It's not acceptable. It's not just. By the way, Dr. Sonia Engel is the director of the California Department of Public Health. So she's not a Fed. So right off the bat, she's been picked for a particular reason. Uh, Let's continue. None of us knew. None of us knew what the numbers would be like. But we know that this is going to be disproportionately affect communities that have fewer, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm repeating. By the way, I copied and pasted this from the article. So right off the bat, it was brought in twice from the article. The article goes on to bring up crap like a family losing their loved one and how bad America is and so forth. And in that quote, I did want to point out, she said, It's an underlying problem in America. But the story kind of glides over things that are important and that were never brought up in the article. Like pre-existing conditions such as obesity, diabetes, and heart disease were kind of skipped. Here are some questions that I would have loved the doctor to have answered, and of course, these were never brought up in the article. And right up, right off the bat, this says that um, this article is invalid. And there's no study, by the way. But everything this gal is saying is invalid. Like here's a, how are the pre-existing systemic to uh, pre-existing conditions systemic to American society? For example, if I'm rich and I'm eating. Okay, why is obesity, asthma, which is a cause of obesity, diabetes, which is a cause of obesity, and um, heart disease, which, again, is a cause of diabetes, systemic? Question number two, are the cultural issues... I mean, when we talk about systemic things like systemic racism, systemic damning of the lower classes. You have to sit there and you have to tell me our system is made so that these people do not survive. And you're going to have to point to me, okay, how does the system actually do that? So if I'm John's mom and I'm earning under $20,000 a year, how is me feeding him Big Macs a systemic problem? What law does it What law is there out there that says poor kids can't go out and, you know, run? Poor kids have to eat McDonald's. Poor kids, that's systemic. It's not systemic. Okay, number two, are are there cultural issues that are creating these pre-existing conditions? For example, if you are a single parent home, You have one or two kids and you work two jobs to put food on the table. Are you worried about their diets or are you worried about them eating? The reality is uh, the, the good news with a high, the problem with high fat diets such as McDonald's and things like that. You eat a portion and you're full because fat fills you. Whereas a healthy diet Let's say they had a chicken and salad. 
Chicken's not expensive. I can go down the street, buy a pound of chicken for $1.49 a pound. And it's good chicken. I've got it in my fridge right now. Chicken does not fill you. Neither does salad. Neither do green beans. This crap that says that, that poor people are forced to eat unhealthy, and I've read it in my college textbooks, that's crap. What parents do today is they don't have time to sit back and keep feeding the kids. So, I mean, I'm not talking juice diets, which are really expensive. We're talking just eating good food. Mac and cheese is not better than broccoli, and they both cost about the same to make. So, if you're a single mom or a single father and you've got to feed three kids after working two jobs, what are you going to do? You're going to feed the kids so that they are stuffed and don't complain anymore? Or are you going to feed them food that in four hours, which by the way, is normal diet is like four hours, they're hungry again. And then you're going to have to deal with it again. That's the thing. That's a cultural issue. We are living in a society now where 75% of mothers are unwed. Which means there's only one income coming in. This isn't good. And this makes it that the mom has to work a lot. I've seen it. The mom has to work a lot. She can't do it. What social issues are causing the disease? Which goes to my first question. Okay, there are social issues. One, the church is eliminated. We, The church is not considered something everybody wants. The family has been all but eliminated. Again, 75% of unwed, 75% of mothers under the, uh, out of high school are unwed mothers. These are social issues. This is not systemic issues. These are not systemic issues. The government is saying you are not allowed to get married. People are not having kids when they're established. They're having kids at 17, 18. I see families all the time right now. They're having kids before these parents can take care of their kids. They're earning four, five, six hundred $600 a month. They're getting dependent on the government. These are social issues. These are not systemic issues. And you could call it racism, but I don't know how you see that as systemic racism or any kind of racism. Finally, the last question I have, are there, cult are there cultural issues that are spreading the disease? Are there cultural issues that are preventing social distancing? I know black and Hispanic families are excruciatingly close, excruciatingly close. Uh, my girlfriend's family, they get together no matter what. They get together no matter what. We'll go to visit them on a weekend. There'll be 25 people there. One person has it. That means that probably everybody in the party has it. That's because my girlfriend's Hispanic. That's what Hispanic families do. Black families are the same thing. In America, you need to be careful with this because there seems to be something forgotten. White families are like that too in certain areas. In Italy... They're like that. There are no blacks or Hispanics in Italy. They're all white. In Spain, the two countries that have the most coronavirus deaths have this issue too. 
So it is not just black and Hispanics that are high, have higher level of death. They, Italy and Spain practice the same type of social distancing norms between families than blacks and Hispanics in the United States. This is not a race thing. It is a social practice thing. Whites and Asians are basically believe in the nuclear family. That's father, that's mother, that's the kids. That's it. I, I'm an example of that. It, it's not necessarily a good thing. It means I may not be as close with my, um, I may not be as close with my family as, let's say, my girlfriend is. But the fact of the matter is, I don't go visit my dad because there's no reason I should try and get him sick. I'm only worried about my kids. I'm only worried about uh, my wife. I'm not worried about anything else. This is the whole thing. So, I, and I love, I love Vox.com. I absolutely love Vox.com. I love Vox. And the reason I love Vox is because Vox is the epitome epitome of stupidity of the far left. And they don't realize that when they make arguments like this, all they're doing is showing what the goals are of the far left and their policies. So Vox released a... So in the last couple of weeks, people in cities are protesting the forced homebound life of that we've had for the last 45 days and they want to go out. It's getting warm outside. The virus has leveled off. That doesn't mean the virus isn't going away. Let's, let's call it what it is. The virus, people are going to go out again and people are going to catch the virus. Some are going to die. Some are, most are going to live. That's what we're seeing right now. But people are protesting. They're protesting in Michigan. They're protesting in California. They're protesting a little bit in New York and New Jersey, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, they're Florida. They're protesting. These people don't want to be stuck inside anymore, which, by the way, is being American. So Vox has decided to release a, a article. It was a rather long article. I read it. I didn't care for it much, and I don't care for much of Vox at all. But their argument was this group was like the alt-right group, the Tea Partiers. That everybody who's showing up to these protests is white. They're not black. They're not Hispanic. They're all white, just like the Tea Partiers in the in the Obama years and every other alt-right group. Okay, so I don't even need to read you the article to give you... The link is over at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. But what's interesting about the article is it shows two things. One... Every group that goes against a Democrat is an alt-right group. Anybody who does not believe in the Democrats is an alt-right group. Anyone who believes that they should be able to carry a gun is an alt-righter, even though there's been never any alt-righter at the gun protests. No one actually shot anybody, which to the chagrin of the press. The... Um, uh, the Tea Partiers, they were not alt-right people. They were people who didn't believe they should be paying 60% taxes, which is what 
That's an exaggeration. But 40% taxes, which is what Obama wanted to raise, that they shouldn't be paying for Medicare for all or anything like that. It was basically a group that said, let's just go back to the Constitution. And I've been to several Tea Party rallies, not on purpose. I just showed up and there they were. And I walked in and the people, nobody was armed at these rallies. It was all in California. These were not alt-righters. They just said, let's go back to the Constitution. Medicare for all, nanny state handouts are a bad thing. So they didn't even say anything really bizarre. But here's what Vox really pointed out, because they mentioned the Tea Party a bunch of times. And they also mentioned these people as if they're all alt-right, racist, terrible, bigoted human beings, which we've already talked about racism being one of those things that you just it's a word that's thrown around way too much but here's what vox did in that article for someone they just proved that you're alt-right if you go against the left's narrative that's all they proved in that article i do not think it is really bizarre i'm sorry my phone's going off i gotta turn off my um auto forward because i do work from home uh, I won't be working from home for long, but I do work from home now. So the alt-right thing, just because you don't believe you should be, the government should force you to stay in your house and you decide to go out, that doesn't make you alt-right. Just because you don't believe in the narrative of the left, the narrative of CNN, MSNBC, CBS, NBC, ABC, all of the other left-wing groups that does Vox, um, every one of them, all of them, doesn't make you an alt-righter. Alt-right is a terrible thing. That means you hate everybody except, well, basically white Protestants. And the reality is 99, I, I bet you, I, I tell you what, let me ask you a question. How many alt-righters do you actually know? How many sit back and whenever they talk to you and they see a black person, they start using the N-word or they start using the K-word when they see a Jew? But hey, Ben Shapiro, who is an Orthodox Jew, doesn't believe in the left's narrative. He's called alt-right all of the frickin' time. This is what Vox has shown in this article. They have shown that it doesn't matter what you do. It matters what you believe. If you believe that we should be living by the Constitution, whether you're armed or not, if you believe we should be living by the Constitution, taxes, the government should stay out of my life, they shouldn't tax the hell out of me, and I'm considered an alt-righter, that means you're arguing against my, you arguing that I'm an alt-righter simply because I don't believe in your narrative. Because I don't believe that we should be stuck inside for the next six freaking months. Because the left wants to ruin the economy before the next election so they can gain power again. That doesn't make me an alt-righter. That makes me someone who doesn't believe in your narrative. So congrats, Vox. You have really made me feel like I get you now. And I... I, I, I love Vox. I really do. I'm up there with the, that other bunch of morons, but good job on them. There was another interesting article by Forbes. 
and this was something I'd heard. There was a complaint that uh, somebody was suing President Trump over the fact that she could not get stimulus checks for her husband who did not have a social security number. Now, I didn't read the entire article and I decided to talk to my girlfriend who is an immigrant and most of her family, they're immigrants. They've been naturalized already. They're citizens. But And my girlfriend should be a citizen too. She's been in this country forever. But she just didn't take the test and things like that. And I, I asked her about this. I, I said, do you need a green card? When you get your green card, do you get a social security? I said, she said, yeah, we do. When you get a visa, do you get a social security number? She goes, it depends on the visa, but for the most part, yeah, you get a social security number. She says, if you're here to work, you get a social security number to pay taxes. Well, I decided to read the end of the article in forums.com. It was literally in the last third of the article that her, the gal who they were talking, the husband was actually illegal. So he was not an immigrant who didn't have a social security number. He was an illegal immigrant. This is where things get stupid. Again, we need to always, and I just got caught on it. We need to always read everything. Illegal immigrants, you don't have a social security number, that means you're not paying taxes. If you're not paying taxes, why are you val- why do you deserve a stimulus check? And I'm not a, I'm not for these stimulus checks. I understand the government shut everything down and they want and this is not a stimulus check. This is a check to get you to live until you can get your job back. But this gal, she got a check, I believe it was for herself and two kids. She didn't get any money for him. Because he doesn't have a social security number and he's not legal, she's going to sue Trump. And my girlfriend said it best. She said, that's okay. Let him take him to court. Just going to lose when it gets to court. We need to stop using illegal aliens as if they had the rights of this country. I got a stimulus check. Okay. It was practically nothing. It was literally 500 bucks. Why? I earn a lot of money. I'm still working. And um, I, I don't have any kids. I don't have any dependents. And I'm good with that. That's fine. I have no problem with that. As a matter of fact, take the $500 back. If I thought it was going to cost me less to send the 500 back than the 500 I got, I would do that. But it's dumb. It's really dumb. And Forbes should know better because Forbes is about economy. And last I checked, Forbes was about a free economy. But apparently they're not. And I, it's just the stupidity. And when I told my immigrant girlfriend, who should be an American, she's not, but she should be an American, about this whole thing, she said, screw them. You're an illegal alien? You're an illegal alien. Get out. And she's from Mexico. So I find that interesting. Because if you get a visa and you're meant to work here, you're going to get a social security number. If you are got a visa and you're meant to go to school here, you're getting a social security number. You get a green card, you get a social security number. You have a, you're part of a Bracera program, which means you come up to the United States to work in the fields. You get a social security number. 
you're always given a social security number and I don't, I've never heard of someone besides a visitor not getting a social security number. So good job Forbes for lying to the people and waiting until the last, the second to last paragraph to say, oh, by the way, he was an illegal alien. And good luck to that broad who's trying to sue President Trump because her husband didn't get a paycheck. Better hope that husband doesn't have a felony on him because he's going to end up back in Mexico after that lawsuit. The last story, and this wasn't going to be my last story, so but I'm going to save this next story for later because I'm sure no one is discussing this. Uh, actually, I think uh, it's been discussed a couple places, but very quickly. It has comes from Slate.com, another far left wing website. And this one is the privacy concerns of transgenders. This was so heart-wrenching, I could do everything I could to stop from laughing my ass off. So apparently what's happening is the the COVID virus is putting transgenders at the unevitable position of having to say that they're transgender because they have to go to a doctor because they have symptoms of being transgender. They have symptoms of being having COVID-19 symptoms. So they're sitting back and this is a wah-wah story. This is a crimey river story where transgenders are, are basically being faced with the situation that they have to they have to actually say that they're transgender because the doctors ask. I love the left because the left loves to nail the right on whether or not we're science deniers. Here's the thing. This is why a doctor asks a transgender person or every person, what's your sex and what you what are you feeling? It's because when you're be, you became you were a man and became a woman does not make you a woman everything is different in your body everything is different muscle mass the plumbing everything is different in your body you could have mutilated your genitals that does not mean you're a woman as a matter of fact you mutilated general genitals are a wound that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life you are still not a woman. If you are a woman who decided they want to call themselves a man, guess what? You're still a woman. And those genitals that they added on to you don't make you a man. As a matter of fact, they have to add hard wiring and plumbing to make that stuff work. And you will be suffering for the rest of your life. Why would a transgender person want to lie to a doctor about being transgender? And if these people actually have all of this um, freedom, I don't care if you're transgender. I could care less. You want to be a man, be a man. You want to be a woman, be a woman. I don't. I really don't care. But if you're sitting back and you have all this pride to the point you're walking around in thongs and uh, angel wings during a pride parade? Why are you ashamed to sit back and tell a doctor, oh, by the way, I'm a transgender woman, which is a man who became a woman. I had to look that up a bunch of times. I'm sure my listeners probably 
wonder sometimes too, what's a transgender woman? Well, it's a man who became a woman. But here's the other thing. Is your political correctness and what you consider social norms so important you you your health comes second? If I'm a transgender woman, which is a man, which I am, who became a woman, which I'm still a man, and I'm having stomach pains, doesn't one think that it'd be kind of important that I, he knows that I used to be a man so that he'd know how to treat my stomach pains? Because if I'm a woman, there's a lot of different things out there. Even a transgender man. It's a lot of, there's lots of differences. And the slightest lie could lead to your death. I, it, it's so dumb. I'm so tired of reading stupid articles like this, though they do make me laugh. And the one thing I want to say to you, okay, well, you're a transgender man. First off, how many transgender men have you seen that look like men? Are transgender women who look like men? I haven't seen very many transgender women. There are a few. But I haven't seen a lot of transgender women that look like women. It's just not that. It, they're few and far between. So doctors can usually figure it out. But to sit back and say, well, I'm going to lie to a doctor because I'm protecting myself societally? You're an idiot. And when they misdiagnose you, don't bother creating a lawsuit. And that's something we haven't seen yet, is a transgender woman sitting back and suing a doctor because he treated him for um, uterine cancer and he doesn't have a uterus. Or ovarian cancer and he doesn't have ovaries. I, it's, I, I, I'm waiting for that lawsuit to come out. I'm waiting to see what a judgment is. So anyway, uh, that's it. I'm going to try and do a couple. Again, I told you in the beginning, I've got a lot going on. So I, I, I really push this one down. You can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. Uh, you can visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com to look at the show notes. The show notes have um, uh, links. Uh, they have full videos, and they have any graphics that might apply. And let's see, what exactly am I going to play today? This song is done by Prince Royce. It's called. It's a remake of Stand By Me. Half of it is in Spanish, and I heard it while driving to my girlfriend's parents' place. And I thought, oh, you know, gosh, it's a such a great song until they started speaking Spanish, and I couldn't sing along with it. And I think it's one of the greatest songs ever written. So we're going to play uh, my girlfriend's song, and then maybe tomorrow we'll play, or day after tomorrow, we'll play the real song. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.
Don't